Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace. And I'm your fellow commenter, Cameron Brooks. And Pastor Mark, it's great to be back here in 2024. It's been over a month now, I think, since we've recorded an episode and released one. Anything exciting happen in the intervening time for you? You know, the time passed so quickly. I never expected that we would take the whole month of January off, but we were pretty busy. I mean, we did just finish hosting Presbytery, so that was was a heavy lift for us. That's right. Just this last weekend, and that was Friday and Saturday? Well, technically, it was scheduled for Friday and Saturday. But usually, if we get all our business done early, we only meet on the Friday. And so that was our hope. And sure enough, uh, this Presbytery meeting was historic. Like we (laughs) got through business really quick. Uh, It was the first time I can remember that my committee, the Candidates and Credentials Committee, didn't have a single candidate to interrogate. I mean, to interview. (laughs) Right. And, uh, And as a result, things moved pretty briskly. And we were able to finish up all the business uh, before dinner and then come back for the worship service, which Grace hosted. Mm. And and that was just incredible. As you know, you did music for it. I mean, it yeah. was a wonderful evening and people who were there to experience it were very moved by it. Yeah, it was special. I'll, I'll be honest, it was a Friday evening, so I was pretty exhausted after a day of work. I know right. everyone else there was probably exhausted after a long day of work. But the service was wonderful. That was my first time stepping into that Ebenezer Presbyterian Church in Lenox. And it's a beautiful sanctuary. It is. And a privilege to stand up there and and play music. Well, and I have to say, too, that the fog Friday (laughs) night was pretty much impenetrable. Uh, I'd been there all day, and so I had no idea. But as people were arriving, they were telling me, it's really foggy out there. And so um, I don't know. I I think it somehow set a tone, right? You you came yeah. through the the fog into the sanctuary and the worship was, was really beautiful. And it is a unique experience when you have the, the pastors and elders and people from all of the churches in our presbytery together in one place worshiping. And, you know, it's, um, if you were to go to any one of those churches, you know, each one, the liturgy is going to be a little bit different. The way they do things is a little different. We as the host church got to kind of do things our way. And that was pretty great. And so um, people experienced that. We had a lot of great conversations afterwards. And um, yeah, it was a real honor for us to be able to do that. And it also, once it was done, We could breathe a sigh of relief and think we won't have to do that for another few years. (laughs) So there were ministers from three or four different states around the the region? Well, it's it's South Dakota, Minnesota, and North Dakota. And so all of the PCA churches in that three-state area, and then, you know, we we have some visitors and and different people from from, uh, uh, different locations sometimes will be passing through may talk about their ministry or something like that. But it's, um, it's all of us. And of course, in, in our denomination, the Presbyterian church in America, uh, the upper Midwest is like a frontier. Yeah. You know, if you go to the South or, you know, the, the St. Louis area, or maybe the West coast, you'll find PCA churches 
in relative abundance compared to here where, you know, we're very geographically spread out. And so that just makes being able to come together all the more exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, having hosted now, what's your sense of the significant differences between how grace does worship on a typical Sunday and how these other churches represented there are used to doing worship. Did you have any conversations about that? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So I think, you know, all churches in, in the Presbyterian church in America have a lot of similarities between the way that we worship. So the elements of our service are the elements that are found in scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, we follow the regulative principle where we believe that God not only tells us to worship him, but also tells us how to do that, at least in broad strokes. And so there's a lot of similarity, but always a little bit of difference. Probably the biggest difference I would say is that the way we do communion is different. So at Grace, when you participate in communion, you get out of your seat and you come forward to the table and you eat the bread and drink the cup there near the table, not in your seat uh, back where you've been for the rest of the service. So there's that kind of physical movement that takes place as part of the sacraments. And there are some other churches in our presbytery who, who have a similar kind of uh, approach, but I would say more often than not, uh, it's observed differently. And so uh, that's probably the biggest difference, but there are some other ones. And, and actually, one of the things I had a lot of interesting conversations about is actually our order of worship. Not so much the, the elements of our worship, but, but literally the, the, the physical booklet mm that you hold in your hand and go through as we go through the service. And I found myself explaining to some fellow pastors uh, why we do uh, the order of worship, the way that we do uh, even down to like, why is it on the the size paper it is and and how do we print them and (laughs) things like that. And so it's, it's a, a subject I think we've never really gotten into on the commentary, I think we've occasionally talked about how, like, I'd love to see people use the order of worship. Like, don't don't throw it away after the service. Uh, don't hand it back in. Take it with you and throughout the week, use it in your own devotions and in family worship. But I don't know that we've ever really talked about why we do it the way we do it, as opposed to you know some of the other common options. Mm-hmm. And so it might be interesting to dig into that a little bit because I feel like it's very fresh in my mind having walked through it with a couple of pastors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I Certainly that was one of the first things I noticed joining Grace was the order of worship. Mm-hmm. I had come from a lower denomination type church and it was all screens, sure. no, no sure. paper whatsoever. Sometimes people were, you know, reading reading stuff off their phones up, up front. And, and I noticed pretty quickly at grace, there were no screens that I could see anyway. Right, and, right. and then there were these orders of worship. So I know that you're the one responsible for putting it together every week, mm-hmm. right? So you're putting a lot of thought into yes. each of the components. Why maybe first off, why has grace chosen to have one of these at all in the first place? 
Well, I mean, it's a good question because, you know, a lot of churches, even churches that have some liturgy to them will often just have like a bulletin, you know, and sometimes just front and back of a sheet of paper mm-hmm. or something. And ours, if you've never seen it before, is uh, a multi-page document that is uh, saddle-stitched, so it's stapled together like a little booklet, and you flip through the pages as you go through the service. And so I think if you're accustomed to just a bulletin or screens, this is an unusual thing to suddenly start using. But but we had a few... Um, influences in making the decision to use something like this. So screens are the norm in most churches these days. And a lot of people love that because it it looks like it's, it's cutting edge technology. I have been a typographer since forever. You know, it's my first job out of school and there are some limitations to screens that people aren't always conscious of, especially when you're working with a group of people. So if you think about the use of screens in worship, you can only fit so many words on the screen at any one time. So even if you've got the lyrics to a song on screen, typically you just have the words, not the the music itself. And, and also you don't usually have the entire song on screen. You have multiple slides that you're clicking through just to get through that one song. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, if, if you also have um, prayers and, and other parts of the liturgy, responsive readings and things like that, and those are on the screen as well, um, either the type gets really small or you've got multiple slides to, to go through. And for me, the, the thing that is always like the question I always ask people. And and if you're used to screens, maybe you've never thought about this before, but have you ever had that experience where you're, you're reading those words and then the slide changes, but you'd like to go back. You'd like to see what you just read or sang or whatever again, and like study that a little bit, but it's gone. Like you can't do it. You know, maybe if you remember afterwards, they, they'd be nice enough to show you what the slides look like. But, but the thing about the screen is it's, it's convenient if you've got to display a, a relatively small number of words, uh, but it's also ephemeral, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you don't have the opportunity to kind of set your own pace, to go through it all at your own leisure because everything is kind of synced for everybody, mm-hmm. right? You're always all on the same screen at the same time. So in addition to what you might think is like more philosophical objections, like, you know, in the 21st century, we are on screens constantly, like all of our experiences are mediated through a screen. And so in worship, it can be liberating to, to, to not have that experience. Uh, That's philosophical, but just thinking practically, there's just something about being able to hold it all in your hand, to flip back and forth at your leisure, to study things, to focus on them and, and also to write on them. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating when you look at these orders of worship after a service and see what people have done to them during the course of a service, you know, whether it's underlining words or copying things out, writing notes uh, drawing pictures, you know, the, all sorts of things have happened to these because you can do that in a way that you can't really do with a screen. So 
you know, on the, the practical side, I think this gives us the opportunity to get a little deeper with the words that we are worshiping with. Mm -hmm. And it also presents some advantages over like the alternative that a lot of people, like if you hate screens, if you are, are just very conservative and you're like, I, I don't like the idea of screens everywhere, then probably you're on hymnals. Yeah. And that's a very sort of traditional option that people have, but we don't have hymnals. You know, we don't have screens. We don't have hymnals. Uh, we're somewhere in the middle because doing things the way we do them allows us in a sense to have the advantages of both. Mm. You know, where we can have all of this, the the liturgy that you need for the service there in your hands. You have control over it. I like to say you can even pinch and zoom, but it just means you put the paper closer to your <laughs> yeah. eyes you right. know, farther away. Yeah, the old-fashioned way. Right. But we also are then able to use music from any source. We're not sort of bound to which which songs or settings happen to be in the hymnal that, that we have, uh, we're also able to use music of our own, you know, things that we've composed. Uh, we sing psalms where you've composed the music, the refrain, or one of our other musicians has, and it's really easy for us to incorporate those things doing what we do. But I always try to explain to people, what we do and the way we do it is not uh, low tech. It's not old fashioned. There is no point in history besides, you know, the last 10, 15 years where, where this would have been possible, right? Right. This is very technological from the creation of these documents, um, by the pastor who is probably <laughs> paying way too much attention to the details of this, but, but cares about the typography and all of that to the reproduction, you know, the, the digital short run press stuff that's happening every week to create these booklets. All of this is very 21st century. It's newer technology than screens yeah. and projectors <laughs> right. and that sort of thing. But, uh, but gives us, I think the best of both worlds. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that before that it's kind of a high tech artifact it really is behind the scenes. It's high tech. Yeah. Going to print every week. Is that right? That's you know? right. Every week or sometimes more than that, depending. So, you know, we had last week, not only our Sunday service, but that Friday evening service. So we went to print twice. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. <laughs> That's right. Well, maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the components of the liturgy too. I know that we've talked about individual ones now and then too, but I think one of the benefits of having the physical order of worship is being able to locate yourself physically in, in the liturgy. Our Sunday morning services have a pretty consistent flow to them. You know, we start with a, a prayer and a call to worship and an opening song and, and, you know, salutation, all these things. And, and you start to expect one thing after the other. Right. And I think being able to see it actually really helps. And yeah, so I mean, I, I, we don't have to go through all of the elements, but is there anything else in particular that you like people to be able to see? I actually have one, one thing in mind, which is the confession of mm. sin. So after, after the opening hymns, we have a, a time of confession of sin where there's always a, a unique passage prayer really where we're all 
congregationally confessing and it's printed out there and it's unique every week. And there's something about that, that where you, I turn the page after I'm, I'm done singing the opening songs. And then there's this, this new prayer. I mean, do you, do you write these? I've wondered that before. So there's a variety of sources. So when it comes to our, our sort of set prayers or prayers that are written out, uh, some of them I've written, some of them I have borrowed from other liturgies, uh, sometimes a combination of the two. Uh, so, you know, obviously anytime I'm visiting some other church, I'm always gleaning, you know, oh, I, that prayer is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we're taking it, <laughs> that sort of thing. But also we have a lot of historic sources for these things as well. So uh, you think, for example, of our, our Reformation Sunday liturgy, which includes um, you know, prayers from a liturgy of Calvin's, from a liturgy of Zwingli's, different sources. And in those cases, we even know like like what year this was part of the service, you know. So it's it's always interesting to be able to say, well, this was Easter 1543 or, you know, something like that. And um, so it is a combination of sources. And this just this format gives us the opportunity to incorporate a lot of different things. What I always like though, is because we have these elements kind of printed out for us and we can make them available in advance. Probably my favorite thing when I was first introduced to this concept was that I could go through everything that I was going to do in worship beforehand. And I really focused on, like reading through the prayers on being familiar with what the flow of the service was going to look like and all of that. So that while I was worshiping, that wasn't my focus. I already had a sense of where we were going and what words we were going to say. And so I was able to focus on the experience of worship a little more. And so I always encourage people even before our Sunday service to go to the website and look at the liturgy in advance and, and be able to spend that time in preparation. Or if you're not able to do that during that time for preparation prior to the service, you can be in the sanctuary and you'll see people doing this kind of flipping through and uh, uh, folding back (laughs) the pages Mm -hmm. so that they turn easily and just kind of, taking note of, of where we're going to go. Yeah. I, I think you pointed out the confession of sin as kind of a favorite moment. And, and I do think there's a, a beauty to that because if you look at it in the order of worship, we have a corporate prayer we have a time for self-examination and individual prayer. And then there's a scripture reference. That's an assurance of pardon. And then you've got music where you sing the Gloria Patri and that's a, a sort of pattern that we repeat every week. And so some elements change, but the pattern is the same. And it's those patterns of worship repeated over time that really kind of shape us and, and instill these rhythms of worship in us. And I love that it's all on one page. Yeah. There's something about that. It would be different. Like you were saying earlier, if it just flashed up on the screen, Mm-hmm. this confession of sin and then it's ephemerally gone and you kind of forget it. And then now we're off to a, a scripture passage and that's gone. And now a song, 
but to be able to see it all together gives you more of a, again, like that physical sense of your location within the liturgy, which is ultimately bringing you kind of through the story of the gospel, you know, right. confession of sin, assurance of pardon, forgiveness, and, and then praising God as a result. And it's all, it's all there. Yeah. I, I will say like for me, probably one of my favorite parts of our worship, like just looking at the order of worship physically is always the Psalm because in every service we sing a Psalm refrain and it has a unique quality to it. So if you're listening to this and you've never worshiped with grace before, um, what we do is we take a line or, you know, a line or two from the Psalm and that's set to music and we sing that refrain at intervals, but then a reader reads the text of the psalm as it stands in scripture in between those refrains. And so it's an interesting uh, combination of like singing a, a song and having a recitation or a reading intermixed with it. And, and this was actually one of the things after our service at Presbytery that a couple of people came and asked about because they hadn't encountered something quite like that before. You know, of course, psalmody, singing the psalms, is a really big deal in the Reformed tradition, but oftentimes it's done with the metrical psalter, and that's a rephrasing of the psalms to make them rhyme in English. And so doing it this way, we can actually use the the, the psalms as they're translated and... I don't know. It, it, it's, it's interesting because not only are you doing that, but by repeating the refrain, it has the sort of earworm quality to mm -hmm. it, you know, where, where you will find yourself throughout the week remembering these words and singing these words. And not only that, those Psalms, as we sing them have really become like our Psalms. And so, you know, you hear people, describe them that way. You know, if, if uh, you're at another church or you run into the Psalms in a different context or hear them, you know, sung on the radio or whatever, you know, it's not an unusual thing. Hey, wait a second. That's one of our Psalms. Yep. Don't sing it like that. It goes like this. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Jenny and I try to read a Psalm, at least one Psalm before bed every night. Mm -hmm. And we've started doing this thing where if we come across one of the verses yeah. that we've turned into a refrain, we have to sing it. Right. So it'll, you'll right. just be reading and then all of a sudden, Oh, Oh, this yeah. Because it feels weird just uh -huh. to read it. Yeah. And instantly the melody pops into your mind. Yeah. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts as well. And of course, you know, we also have the kinds of things that, that uh, church bulletins always have, you know, there's, there's schedule stuff and financial report stuff and, and uh, there's there's links to the podcasts, you know. So it's like <laughs> can't click on them. But. No, no. <laughs> but at least you find out the commentary exists, and you can go online and find it. So it's a lot of that kind of thing as well. Uh, the beauty of it being, that, you know, when you walk into the sanctuary and we hand you one of these things after the service, when you leave, you take all of it with you. So you've got everything that you need to reflect on, to pray over, but also practically speaking, if you want to know what's going on 
if you want to get in touch with an officer of the church or anything like that, everything you need is right there. And so that's, again, just one of those practical benefits where somebody visits the church and I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation and, and someone's like, yeah, I'd love to get together and talk more. How do I get in touch with you? And I'm just like that thing you're holding in your hand <laughs> has everything right there. And you know, that's, that's me uh, just reach out. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of practical advantages. And um, as a result, the, 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 it's, you know, the reason why we've done it, even though it's not easy, you know, and of mm-hmm. course, the, you know, that's the the downside, right? The, there's a lot more effort that goes into this week after week than there would be if we did it in a more streamlined way. And the expense, right? We're creating all of these physical booklets, and that is more of an investment in each service than just projecting everything on a screen. But I think it's worth it. And and seeing the the uses that people have discovered for this order of worship, it, it's proven to be uh, something we really appreciate. Thanks for listening to the commentary. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. And you can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.